Well, good morning, family. How are y'all doing? This is great. This is the last Sunday of the year. So before we get started, I want to thank one of my fathers in the faith, our senior pastor, Dr. D.C. Cofield, for giving me the opportunity to preach on this, the last Sunday of the year. Amen? Amen. So before we get started, let's go to God and ask him to punctuate our time in his word. Heavenly Father God, we come to you this morning with giving you praise, giving you thanks for all of your faithfulness, God. Every sunrise is a testament to your faithful protection and provision that you provide for us whether we deserve it or not. We thank you for your mercy, your grace. We thank you for your son. Father, we ask that you open our hearts, open our eyes and our ears, Father, that we would receive, hear, and embrace your word and walk in it. Father, you speak. Let me get out of the way. We ask this blessing in the mighty and matchless name of the reigning and risen Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, New Year's Eve. A lot of people means parties, collard greens, black eyed peas, fried chicken. For some people it means hangovers. Uh, for some people, it means feasting on the best matchups that college football has to offer. But what else? What else do we associate with New Year's? Anybody got a guess? Resolutions. Resolutions! Hey, there we go. Bad New Year's resolutions. But you know the thing about New Year's resolutions? Studies. There's, there's, there's a bunch of studies that show that more than 60% of the people who make New Year's resolutions will break them by the fourth Sunday in January. <laughs> right? This is why fitness companies and gyms look at January the same way that retailers look at November and December. Right? Because they know all these people are going to come in, make a New Year's resolution, and pay to join that gym and sign up to pay $30, $50, $100 a month. They're going to come for about four weeks, and then they're going to go back to doing what they were doing, eating Bluebell on the couch. <laughs> right? But they're still going to be making that money. Right? But that, is, that struggle is not limited to just people who or trying to lose a few pounds. There's people all over that struggle with stuff, struggle with hurts, habits, hangups. People who struggle, who are desperately trying to overcome, they, they make resolutions, I'm not gonna do what I was doing. fall back and go back to their old ways. Over and over again. I know, I know, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about that person next to you, right? But the thing about the Bible is that the Bible offers hope for those of us who struggle with strongholds. Right? And you can see it in a story of an encounter that Jesus had with an invalid man. Our text for this morning is found in the fifth chapter of John's Gospel. 
and it's in verses uh, five through nine. But before we get started, I, I want to set the stage, right? Because in, in, in verse five, there's a man, he's lying in the pool, by the pool of Bethesda. And in the, the first four verses, right? People, all crippled people, invalid people, sick people are all gathering by this pool in Bethesda. And when the water gets stirred up, if you read the New King James Version, you'll notice that verse 4 is actually in there. It says, an angel went down and stirred up the water. And whoever got in the water first was healed of whatever disease they had. And this leads up to Jesus' encounter with the man who had been sitting by the well. The first point, if you want to make transformative change in your life, right? Ooh, New Year's. If you want to make transformative change in your life and you realize you're struggling with something, whether it's a hurt, a habit, a hang-up, a quirk in your personality, if you want to change your life, If you want people to see a different you and you are struggling, the first thing you have to do is you have to admit that you are powerless. Now, when you admit that you are powerless, it's like, well, I might as well just give up, right? There's no hope. The thing is, is that most people deny it. That's why you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And things don't change. Again, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you. See, Einstein had a, had a, had a word to describe doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. That word is insanity. So let's take a look in our text. In verses 5 through 7 of our text, John writes that one man had been lying by the pool for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him, he knew they'd already been there a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be healed? And the man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps in before me. The invalid man is admitting he's powerless. He wants to be healed, but he can't get to the water. Right? He'd been there for 38 years. He'd been there almost a lifetime. He'd been there so long that he lost hope. He's like, I'm just going to stay here and hope that one day, Something changes. Even though I'm an invalid, maybe I'll find a way to get to the water first. Maybe somebody will come and help me. Right? This man's life, most of it is in the rearview mirror. 40 years. So Jesus comes along and asks him, do you want to be well? The thing is, is that the man didn't hear, the man didn't ask if Jesus could heal him. He just gave an excuse for why he couldn't get in the water, which is the same thing that we all do when we struggle, right? When you bust that diet, when you start sleeping in instead of going to the gym, when you start, when you start dealing with your emotions with retail therapy instead of paying your bills, 
when you're out at the club looking for the next shiny thing instead of working on yourself and saying, hey, when you're trying to change your feelings with a chemical, when you fall back on that, it's like, well, I can't help myself. The thing is, he doesn't consider the possibility that Jesus might heal. All he's got is an excuse of saying, I can't get to the water. And that's what denial does. It robs your heart of hope. It says, I can't change this the way I am. And, and then we go through life inflicting ourselves on other people. Right? And we struggle. And a denial keeps hardening our heart until you've lost everything. But the man is still focused on the water for healing, right? Verse 7, he says, sir, no one is here to put me into the pool. He's still looking at the water for healing. He still thinks that there's some way that he can be healed without the intervention of God. He knows that he can't reach the water before anyone else. He's an invalid, but he keeps trying anyways. The same way we keep running around on the hamster wheel, trying to change life by doing the same old thing. And that's the great thing about Rooted and Grounded, because in week five, that's what we talk about, strongholds. This is when you make an honest and, and, and searching inventory of yourself, and you find out just what you come face to face with, just what it is that you struggle with. Because I don't care if you're the most super sanctified church saint in this place. You struggle just like I struggle. Right? The Word of God says, you know, that, 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 that we all struggle. We all fall short of the glory of God. Right? Paul, in Romans chapter 7, sums up what we struggle with in, in chapter 7, verse 18. He says, for I know nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is good, but not the ability to carry it out. The first step in making transformative change in your life is to admit that you are powerless to do so. You are powerless against the thing that you struggle. Hi, my name is Russell DePina. I'm a faithful believer in Jesus Christ, but I struggled with drug addiction and alcoholism and codependency. But by God, by the power of God, I am celebrating my recovery. The last time I took or drank something was January the 15th, 1988. So by his grace, I'll be, I have done, through the power of God, I've been able to do something that on my own I couldn't do for more than 68 days. Just being transparent, amen? So the first step is that you got to admit that you're powerless. The second thing is, is that you got realize, you must realize that you need God's help. When you realize that you're powerless, you break the chain of denial. When you realize that you are powerless, you realize that you need something bigger than you to help you overcome a stronghold. That's when you realize, I need God's help. And based on my experience, I can tell you 
that when you hit rock bottom, that's when you find out that God is the rock at the bottom. Right? This man is hopeless. The man in our text is hopeless. The person who struggles is hopeless. Some of you might be there. Some of you might be hopeless. Right? But because we, we, we somehow cause people to think that they're a little bit less than when they admit that they're struggling, some of us are suffering in silence. But we need change. You have to admit that you're powerless. You realize, and you realize that you need God's help. Right? This man is hopeless. He's no different than the junkie trying to get his next hit because that's how he gets by. He's no different than the alcoholic who's looking for his next drink because that's how he gets by. He is no different from the person who's codependent and has to make everybody in the household at Christmas time do whatever, dance according to their tune. He is no different than the bully who bullies his wife and kids because of his own insecurity, because he can't deal with what's going on with himself, because he's struggling with his own hurts and hang-ups. It is no different than the wife who say, I ain't going to submit to no man because she grew up in a broken house. You need God's help to overcome the stronghold. Your struggle, my struggle, everyone's struggle. They all have a common denominator. It's sin. Romans 3.23 says we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Psalms 14 and 2 and 3 says the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. So why do we judge? Because we are all guilty on our own The best that you and I deserve on our own is a ticket to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. When you realize that you need God's help in your struggle, and you really want to get to the bottom of it, it's because we're broken. It's because of our sin problem. Matthew 5, and when we realize that and we ask for God's help, That's when healing can begin. It's why Jesus says in Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you realize that you're powerless in your struggle, and you realize that only God can help restore you, the next thing, there's only one thing left to do. Amen? Right? The next thing that you must do, it's my third point, you must turn your struggle over to God. When you think about the word surrender, what is, what is it that crosses your mind? Defeat? Losing? Right? Most people associate defender, uh, surrender with the, with the idea of defeat, being beaten. But that's not really what it means. Because if you look in the Webster's, if you look in the dictionary, 
you will find out that surrender means to give oneself up into the power of another. Now, depending on what kind of power you're talking about, that doesn't necessarily mean defeat, amen? Because if you're surrendering to your stronghold, yes, that is defeat, because that just leads to hopelessness and death. But if you are surrendering yourself to one who has power to help you overcome the stronghold, now you have crossed over from the losing side and have joined the winning side. In your struggle, you have two choices. You can try it. You can give it to denial. You can keep thinking that you can turn the hamster wheel and that the scenery is going to change. Or you can surrender that struggle to somebody who is greater than yourself, like God. Verses 8 and 9 of our text, Jesus tells the man, he says to him, get up. Take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took his bed up and he walked. Right? The invalid man, he's not asking Jesus to heal him like, like, like Bartimaeus did in Mark chapter 10. He's still focused on the water. He's hoping Jesus could take him to the water. And Jesus says, no, just get up. He doesn't perceive Jesus as a potential healer. We think that we can solve, we can overcome our strongholds on our own. And we try and fail. Because you're powerless. And you need someone greater than yourself. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, your sin, you got your sin problem, the basis of all of our struggles. Our sin problem, we got to deal with our sin problem. Right, Because the thing is, is that when you say, hey, I'm a sinner, and I need help, I'm a sinner, I know my sins deserve to be punished, Jesus died for my sin, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, now I've turned my life over and my will over to Jesus, now God can work on those other things. But it's not until we give our will and our life over into Christ's care and control that God can start working on us. You have to turn your struggle over to God. And the thing is, what Jesus is asking the man to do, to, the man is like, Jesus says, get up, take your bed and walk. Man probably looked at Jesus and said, what are you talking about, Willis? I've been here 48. No. no. Okay, but then, but, but notice, right? He did. He just, because at some point, he realized. He opened his heart. Instead of looking at the water, this man just told me to get up. And he was at a point where his, where the pain of what he was going through was greater than his fear of change. And so he said, you know what? I'm going to get up and walk. And that's the thing, is when you get to that point, if you want to make transformative change in your life, you've got to get to that point where either 
You are so sick and tired of being sick and tired that your fear of change overcomes that your fear of change, that the pain that you're in, that the struggle that you're in, the pain of that struggle overcomes your fear of change. It's like, no, I got to get out. That's why I say when you hit rock bottom, God is the rock at the bottom. So the thing is, what are you going to do if you're trying to change your life? What are you going to do? Because the thing is, we all struggle, right? And this time I'm not talking about the person next to you. I am talking to you because just like me, you struggle. You struggle, I struggle, we all struggle, whether you want to admit it or not. We all struggle. We need to admit that on our own, we're powerless against the stronghold that we struggle with. We have to realize that only, God can, only God's help can help us overcome the things that we struggle with. If you want to be the new person, if you want to see transformative or change in your life, you can't do it on your own. Only God can. Right? It's just like when you become a Christian, when you hear the gospel, right? When we share the gospel, right? Week nine, rooted and grounded. How, do, how and why you should tell people about Jesus. It's not your job to change your heart. That's the Holy Spirit's job. All you got to do is do the work. You got to sow the seed. We're powerless. We need somebody bigger to help us. And you got to turn it over, right? You got to turn your will and your life over to God's care and control, right? Without Christ, you. We can't deal with our sin problem because every, every stronghold we deal with is because of our sin problem, because of our brokenness. So in order to have any transformative change in your life, you must first deal with that sin problem. And once you've turned it over, this is my last point, I'm getting ready to sit down. You must choose to live your new life and not your old one. Right? See, God wants more for you than just you achieve a victory over your stronghold. God, wants, God saves you and me and everybody for a reason. Right? He wants us to be committed. He saves our life. He wants our life, and he wants us to be committed. Right? And the thing is, is that you start out to surrender in your, surrender in your stronghold to God, and God says, no, 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 Doc, I want more. I want it all. Right? Because God, God wants you to be ride or die with him because he already was ride or die with you. And remember, you have to, be, you have to, you have to ride or die with God because the thing that you struggle with at the, at the base of it it's not necessarily your flesh, right? Ephesians 6, 12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, we, but against rulers and against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Your struggle, even if it's anger, impatience, 
wrath, the usual ones, substances, whatever your, whatever your hurt, your habit, your hang-up, whatever the thing that's, that's, that's keeping you from letting the Jesus in you show through, those things are spiritual struggles. Right? That's why 12 steps work. People try to, to, to stop doing things on their own, but it works because God is in there with you, and you have to make choices to not go back to your old life. With the old men, once he started walking, Jesus found them later, and he said, see, to, see you are well. Sin no more so that nothing is wrong with you. Jesus told the man the same thing that he told everybody after he healed him. He told him to walk in peace and sin no more. The thing is, is that if you are a believer and you caught up with strongholds, it's not because we are without sin. It's just because you're human. It doesn't make you a bad Christian, just a human one. The thing is, is that if you realize that you're powerless, if you realize that God can help you, if you are willing to turn your will and your life over to Christ's care and control, you can be healed. Right? First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In this coming year, you could take a, a step. You could choose to take steps for transformative change, or you can continue being sick and tired and being sick and tired. You can make a choice to whether you want to overcome your stronghold and have a deeper and meaningful relationship with Christ. And if you take these, if you make that choice, I guarantee that in the new year, you will have a new life and people will see a new you. God, thank you, Father, for this word. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for these, this key to changing our lives that we would, to help us to become the people that you created us to be. And we thank you. Father, let this word take root, that people embrace it, hear it, and most of all, live it. I'm this blessing in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.